This morning's scripture reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verses 1 through 4, and then verses 20 through 33. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than any other of his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. They said, Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where can I turn? Then they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They had the long robe with sleeves taken to their father, and they said, This we have found. See now whether it is your son's robe or not. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. A wild animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to check in with you during this season of being limited to our homes and sheltering in place. I want to ask you how the household chores are going around your house. Is everybody doing your part? Pitching in? For example, what about taking out the trash? Have you ever noticed that nobody likes to take out the trash? Everybody feels like, I can get my stuff in there. I'll let the next person 
take out the trash. And maybe you've resorted to even raising your foot and taking your foot and mashing down the trash can just a little bit more so it can hold more of your trash. You understand, I've never done this. A friend just told me about that, right? Well, we all know that sooner or later, even if you put off taking out the trash, it has to be done. And the longer you put it off, the more there is. And the more you mash it down, the more difficult it is to get it out. And that serves as sort of an analogy for the danger of family secrets. Now, when I say family secrets, I'm not talking about those things that are appropriately kept private within families. When we're talking about family secrets this morning, we're talking about those dangerous, poisonous things, dishonesty and lies and misrepresentations, the kinds of things that are destructive to relationships. From the time I was a little boy, my mom taught me this couplet by Sir Walter Scott. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And I grew up with that playing in my head. Family secrets are dangerous. The text this morning is a perfect example of the destructive nature of family secrets. Joseph was the pampered, spoiled son of the Hebrew patriarch, Jacob. Joseph was spoiled and pampered, and he was Jacob's favorite. And all of his brothers knew that. Jacob made his boy a coat with long sleeves, elaborate, expensive, singling him out for all of his adoration. And Joseph's brothers were jealous. They despised him. And in our scripture story from Genesis 37, his brothers plan to kill Joseph. But they have a change of plans. They end up selling him to a traveling caravan. And then to cover up their crime and their sin, they take that coat, the one with the long sleeves, they dip it in animal blood, they take it back to Jacob. They don't really tell Jacob a lie. They allow Jacob to draw his own conclusions as he sees the robe and as he sees the blood. They did not correct his wrong impression when he said, oh, a wild animal has destroyed my son. And thus the secrets begin. And the more secrets there are, the more work it takes, the more energy required to keep those secrets tamped down. Now, I might say parenthetically at this point that Jacob's sons came by lying naturally. Jacob's sons learned about secret keeping and about dishonesty from the best of them because Jacob himself had lied to his father and his mother. He had lied to his twin brother. He had lied to his father-in-law. Jacob's name 
meant supplanter or deceitful one or trickster. So family systems theory points out to us that if family sins are not addressed and repented of, that family systems have a way of carrying on those terrible habits, that secret keeping was passed on from one generation to the next, and it was painful. Now, we all know that sooner or later, when you keep secrets, those secrets are going to find a way of coming out. In fact, Judah, one of Joseph's brothers, finally gets his brother's attention in the midst of this plot. And he said, are we really going to try to conceal his blood? As if to say, sooner or later, the blood of Joseph will cry out and will be found out. And secrets, like that trash can in your house, sooner or later, have to be dumped. And the more you tamp them down with more lies and deceit, the more difficult it is to get everything out. Secret keeping is destructive in family systems because uh, it creates all kinds of triangles where this person knows something on this person but conspiring against that third person or taking one into your confidence and not the other, creating anxiety. What, what have I told to whom? And who knows particular facts. And it becomes a blame game. It's interesting to watch as these brothers go on with their lives, how there's this sense of blame and there's this, this, this cloud over their lives that everyone's afraid of what might come out and, and they're so willing to blame the other person for what has happened. And it's a poison in the lifeblood of the family. And suffice it to say that Jacob's family, Jacob's children, would never be whole. There would never be a wholeness and a healing until those secrets were dealt with. And so it is with our families. You know, during this COVID-19 season, I've been reading a lot by the mental health experts about the, the cost that this crisis is having on families. Uh, it's been pointed out that during this season, there's been an increase in domestic violence and very likely an increase in sexual abuse. During this season, alcohol sales are up and porn sites are offering free membership, luring people in with their downtime and with their leisure time. I once heard a man who was involved in the AA 12-step program as he was battling his addiction. He made this very honest confession and insight to a listener. He said, you know, 10% of my battle is with alcohol. 90% of my battle is with honesty. That's a powerful truth. Because no matter what our addiction is, no matter what our other struggles are, our ultimate struggle is with authentic living. Our ultimate struggle is with honesty 
being honest with ourselves, honest with others, and honest with God. Someone once said that the part of us that we show off doesn't show our truest self. It's the part of us that we hide that really reveals our truest self. And so we're faced with this example of painful secret keeping in Joseph's family. And we think about our own family systems and the need for truth and truth telling. I want to share with you this scripture from Ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 and 9. This is actually going to be part of the text for next week's sermon, but it is so appropriate to the theme of secrets. Paul says, for once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. The fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. I believe that there is a great evangelistic invitation in this verse and in this theme this morning. By that I mean the invitation to a personal relationship with Christ is so powerful because we reach a point in our lives when we're so tired of the secrets, we're so tired of living in the shadows, we're so tired of what other people might think or trying to always put our best foot forward to come to that place in our lives where there is this openness, this sunshine, this honesty, calling us to authentic relationships with ourselves, with God, and with others. And whether it's the theme of this worship series, home repair and maintenance, every family longs for a right relationship with God as a foundation or whether it's the larger theme of the pandemic we're living through, where I sense people are struggling to build their lives on something more solid than what they thought would last. This call to a real vibrant relationship with Christ to come live in the light that is Jesus Christ. As I thought about this worship series, I thought a lot about our, our graphic, uh, the picture of the, the messy paint scene and the paint splattered on the shoes. And I think that's a very instructive graphic for what we're talking about this morning. For example, family life is messy. Joseph's family life was messy. My family life is messy. Yours is. We don't need to pretend. We don't need to act like we're the perfect family. We are living real human lives and family life is messy. The, the second thing I noticed from this graphic is that these people are standing close to one another. Notice that even though there's a mess, they're standing in proximity to one another as God calls us to be close enough to one another to be honest and to work on our problems. And the third thing I would notice about this graphic, they have on work clothes. They have on 
work shoes. That is, they recognize there's a task to be accomplished. There's work to be done. And one of the things that I think God's calling us to this morning on this Mother's Day is to acknowledge that all of our family life takes work. God is calling us to the work of relationships and to the work of openness and honesty rather than secret keeping. Now in the case of Joseph, we have the luxury of knowing how this story comes out. Fast forward and read the rest of the book of Genesis and you'll find out Joseph survived. In fact, he thrived. He became wealthy and successful. The prime minister of Egypt. His family actually ended up coming to him for help. There was finally a, a time of reconciliation. There was a time of repentance and forgiveness. Jacob got to see Joseph again. Families were reunited. And it's a wonderful ending to a story, but remember this. They wasted so many years. They wasted so much time by keeping the secret going. Now, Joseph's story is done. But yours is still being written. Mine is still being written. We are still living our drama. It's up to us how we handle secrets and truth. It's up to us how our story ends. God bless you. Let's pray. Loving God, by your Holy Spirit, sweep our hearts. Clean us. Direct us. Teach us. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Before we go this morning, I want to say how glad we are that you joined us for worship today. Hope that you have a wonderful day uh, as you relax and enjoy uh, some time with loved ones. I want to remind you that uh, we are still working on plans of when we can reopen and re-engage as a congregation. As you heard me say uh, in previous conversations, we are intentionally uh, taking it very slowly. We're being cautious. We want to be careful. And we hope you understand that we want to be good neighbors. We want to practice servant love by thinking about the health and well-being of others. And while we're on that topic, I just want you to know, as your pastor, I miss you and I love you. And I'm praying that you'll have strength every day. I want to thank you very much for faithful giving. I, I continue to be blessed beyond measure at your faithfulness. We want to remind you every week you have an opportunity to share in this church's ministry by giving online or by sending your check to the church. And we are so very, very grateful for that. And today as we go, I hope and pray that if you've not yet established a life-giving relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ, that you would open your heart, let all those secrets go out the window, and open your life to the sunshine of Jesus Christ. Invite Him into your life and trust Him and find the difference that Christ can make. God bless you. Have a good day.